0: Welcome to another episode of the Bonus Point Rugby Podcast. My name is TJ Olsen and I am stoked to be joined by a very special guest on this week's podcast. Um, A lot of you know how much I love all women's rugby, women's rugby players and fans out there. So you're in for a treat today if you you love women's rugby. So please welcome 2022 Super Rugby O-Picky winner and 2022 Rugby World Cup winner Ariana Marino. Tohinu, Oh man, so stoked to have you on the pod today. Ari, how, how are
1: you? I'm really good. Um, really excited to be here um, and thanks for tuning in everyone.
0: <laughs> awesome. So I just first off just want to congratulate you on being one of the players that just got contracted again by New Zealand Rugby for the 2023 Black Fern season. How does it feel to re-sign with the NZR for another another year?
1: Oh really exciting I guess um, to be a part of this new group that's coming through and um, seeing all the younger girls come up. I'm just really excited to be able to be there, help them um, grow and thrive, and uh, being part of this awesome environment.
0: I think that that's been the one thing that a lot of people have been just loving about New Zealand rugby is they they keep seeing, obviously, um, girls like you that have been in the the environment for a long time, but there's just still so many young players that are just coming through, not just 15s, but 7s as well. Just There's so much young talent and the depth just keeps growing and growing and growing. Is that the same for club rugby? It's continuing to kind of hold steady?
1: Yeah, I guess... With the World Cup being held in New Zealand last year and um, seeing the momentum it had behind it, uh, girls have uh, picked up a pair of boots this season. And, uh, yeah, club rugby is looking really good.
0: Nice. That's good to hear. Okay, well, I want to rip straight in because I know that our listeners want to know a little bit about your journey as a player and we can delve deeper in a little bit more about your more recent accomplishments. But um, first off, where did you grow up? Were you always uh, counties? county's person at heart, or did you grow up somewhere else before you started bleeding red uh, red and black?
1: Yes, I'm originally from the Bay of Islands, which is in the far north, uh, three and a half hours from Auckland. I grew up in a little town there, played all my junior rugby, uh, played my first club was Moirua Women's. uh, But like any small country, uh, little towns, there, there wasn't really much, so for me to uh, really go anywhere or do anything, I had to make the shift, and I moved down to Auckland uh, to go to uni and then uh, teed up with Manurewa Rugby Club and haven't looked back
0: since. I know you love some, some riwahiri was the big, big part of your journey, but um, I, I do want to chat about the union, but I do want to take a step off really quickly because I know you also played for the Kiwi Ferns and also the Māori Sevens as well was... Were those two teams like pretty, pretty awesome to play for pretty early in your career? And was it a bit daunting to start off with, or was it kind of just pretty natural?
1: I guess it's one of those things when you're uh, younger and your parents make you uh, be a part of everything and pick up any sport. So uh, that was kind of it at that time. uh, In the late half of the season, league was more of the thing. So you just, did what any any kid in New Zealand does: picked up the ball and joined in with your mates and um, enjoyed it. So yeah, it was awesome to develop different skills in those uh, different codes. And I guess I wouldn't be here had not I done that.
0: Yeah, I remember talking to you a little bit about it. And I was when I first started to get to know you, I was I was baffled. I was sitting there going, "Oh man, she's had a whole journey before <laughs> her whole Black Ferns journey. Played it, played for a couple of other different codes, but um, rugby union, the sport that you've you've grown to." love and, and be a part of in, in a lot of di- different aspects and I want to start off talking about your career with Counties Monaco because I know the, the Heat is a big team that you you love and the Farrah Palmer Cup competition is, is very big in, in New Zealand but before you played for Counties I know you had a little brief stint in Auckland for a couple of years so I want to know how that transition was before Counties joined in 2013 going from playing Auckland and then going to play for Counties.
1: Yeah, I guess I was um, lucky enough to be picked up uh, from Daryl and Davida Sawasua at the time. I was quite young and um, there was the likes of EJ, who was a real uh, stalwart of rugby and um, probably in her prime at that time. Uh, So I learned a lot from her and uh, just being behind her. Uh, But yeah, I thank thank Auckland Storm uh, for the initial platform that I... That I got uh, to be a part of that next level of rugby Uh, and they they taught me a lot about professionalism being in that team Uh, but yeah I was grateful when county but I've been going and uh, I could actually take the field I think in that first couple of seasons with the storm I might have played three minutes and I think (laughs) I played on the wing so yeah (laughs) hey
0: three three Uh, minutes is still three minutes you you still get the experience you still get the trainings there's there's nothing wrong with that
1: Exactly. Right. Uh, the yeah. trainings were always awesome. Um, yeah, just I was grateful for the opportunity.
0: And you can obviously see the the pathway to um, coaching rugby. You can see Daryl went on and coached the the counties uh, Steelers in, in like a, I think it was 2016 when when I was over mm-hmm. there coaching for the bees, and and he he had some some tough. Tough battles ahead of him, but you can see that he was he was still able to utilize a lot of his great coaching that he had learnt from his women's and and from other things to go straight on to. Um, I think it was still ITM Cup then. Mm, yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm pretty pretty happy and stoked that you were able to get the in there for the counties because I think now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the player that has the most appearances for the the heat. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah. How I've been around? But yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: oh, man. No, it's it's good good stuff to get them off the, off the ground. But you were also pretty instrumental in um, helping them. Uh, I believe the competition was split in two. Um, they had the they had the two levels at that time, and, and you were pretty instrumental in getting them um, to win their first crown in 2016, and also lead them to the the premiership final against Canterbury in, in 2018. So um, I'd love to know from from your kind of mission and your goals that you've handled with counties at that time and, and coming into this upcoming season as a big leader in this team what what are your expectations for this season with counties
1: oh, I think like anything with counties um, being yeah, always considered the underdog in some sort the values that they hold strong uh, around inspiring their people and uh, showing them that there's, there's a different pathway via rugby I think that's a big connection that I have with counties and why I'm so proud to be a part of that union Um, is always looking at, not the small guy, but I guess the one that gets left behind being a uh, sister club to uh, Auckland. Uh, Uh So being able to be a part of that and um, find those gold nuggets in the south of Auckland uh, is something to be proud of and um, it's it's a – it's a club and it's a union that will always look after you and has people at the centre of it. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an awesome awesome union to be a part of. And uh, what I expect from the girls is it's like anything, is to grow and be better humans both on and off the field. Hmm.
0: I think that's where a, a few – I won't say any any type of province in New Zealand because I, th- I feel like everybody's trying to strive in, in New Zealand to, like you said, be better – on and off the field but i think that's where sometimes some people they lose lose their way a little bit as they think it's got to be all footy all the time and and you you got to realize that the skills that you're learning in and around those types of people and then that cohesion that you're building is is all about things that you can take outside of footy as well so i think that's really really good thing to say because there's a lot of people that are kind of emulating the same thing and i mm-hmm. think there's one thing you can always say about counties is they love their footy and they love their people. Like that's that's one thing that I loved living in South Auckland and, and being a part of that. It was it was incredible. <laughs> it was it was just an experience in its own. But let's let's fast forward a little bit because I know you got to play a couple seasons with counties in the FPC and you must have made some good impressions because you were then selected in both 2015 and 2017 for the for the Blackfern squads. What was it like being named in that squad? Because obviously you've been named in the in the Kiwi Ferns and, and played for them and also the Māori. What, what was it like being named in the Black Ferns?
1: I guess, yeah, I think at the start you're a bit speechless. It's, it's something you work really hard for and you're all about, you know, making your parents and your family and your community proud. Uh, so... Yeah, I guess it was a little bit daunting being quite young at that time in 2015, um, but just a proud moment, you know, for my hapu, for my iwi. Uh, so yeah, there's nothing more I guess to <laughs> say about that at that time. Um, but in 2015, you know, that that was a hard, hard and defining moment I think for me because in 2015 I didn't get to um, debut. I went on that tour to Canada um, and I learned a lot. I think there was 12 or 13 debutantes at that time and a lot of them are still around today. Mm. Um, But it taught me, you know, a lot about resilience and, you know, you don't always get what you think you deserve or or what you want. Uh, It's like anything, if you're willing to work really, really hard, uh, things might not go your way, but what's meant for you will happen.
0: Mm. Man, dropping some lessons. It's just, I'm I'm enjoying this already. It's good stuff. I'm just going to use this as my motivational tool every every time I want to wake up and go go conquer the world. But um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Your your first time you you got to debut for the Black Friends, was that 2019 or was that 2017?
1: 2019.
0: Mm, okay, yeah. So 2019. Tell me the first time I I know you're a very proud Maori woman. Like you you love you love all that stuff, and it's it's very like you said, you're you're trying to make your whānau proud and you're trying to make New Zealand proud, re- representing that national team. What was it like doing the haka the first time, like uh, singing the na- national anthem? Like, was it just something you can't put into words?
1: Yeah, I think you just overcome with emotion, especially when you get up and you sing the national anthem. You know, because when you're young and you're standing in front of the TV, that's the first thing you're doing. You get your hand on your chest and you're... Going for gold, singing your little heart out, um, and to emulate that and be able to do it in real life, yeah, uh, it's, yeah,
0: very your lungs, lungs are lungs are burning before you even get on the field.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's quite hard to sing, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man! Well, I know you've played played in a lot of a lot of uh, big big matches. Um, you've got your Laurie O'Reilly's against um, Australia. Like I, I got to see you playing playing the pack four down here in, in San Diego, and, and got to watch a few other on TV. But I do want to talk about this past season that just happened because it was pretty monumental. And and I want to talk about the coaching first because obviously the coaching staff is for a, a side like yours you think like you'd have some pretty quality coaches in your camp but then when you hear people like Wayne Smith, Graham Henry, Mike Cron getting thrown around especially with a, a caliber of, of your team as well what was it like being coached by arguably some of the greatest coaches not just in New Zealand but in in the world?
1: Yeah I think you've had it on the head you know it was quite instrumental for our team uh, they bought, bought a different style oh actually I wouldn't say different it, it's it's a style that's etched into our fabric when we're young, you know. It's mm-hmm. just enjoy yourself, let the ball go, uh, and just just enjoy yourself. Obviously, nothing happens by chance. Um, and I'm sure Smithy would say the same thing. It's all about hard work, it's what you're doing off the ball and what you're doing off the field um that'll make the biggest impact. And they were just really supportive in whatever decisions you made as long as you made or as long as you tried your hardest and you always said what was best for the team um Mike Cron great man a great sense of humor uh, but what they all have in common is uh they're really really good with people mm. they understand how people work uh and how to draw the best from people and I think once a coach can do that, you know, you you can get your whole team on side and you can really understand what, what gets them ticking and what gets them going and how you can grasp that from them. Uh, then they'll give you everything. You know, I think that's what was shown at the Rugby World Cup is they drew from everyone what they could um, and that was their best at that time. And, uh, yeah, they won a World Cup for us and... Yeah. We were just all on the same boat going along for the ride and um, taking all the knowledge that they had and, uh, yeah, doing what was best for the country. <laughs>
0: mm, no, I, I agree 100% because I think watching all those matches is... I, I think you hit it on the head is, is you sit there and they, they were able to let you be yourselves and, and back yourselves as well. I think, like... I, I can't obviously attest to what was happening in the camp before this. Cause I am obviously just an outsider looking in, but there was a lot of good gameplay before Wayne Smith came in, but it was, it was very structured. It was, it was very like, do this, do that. And there were still were great defining moments. But as soon as I started watching the world cup, I could see a lot of freedom and I could see mm-hmm. a lot of different things that People were able to express themselves, like you said. Like um, when I when I got to watch uh Ruhe uh, just make some cross field kicks and do other things, it's like you can see obviously they're sitting here going, back yourself. If you see those opportunities going, just just go for it. And you could see a lot of them panned out and some of them didn't. But it's like the the good thing that I always saw was the team was just behind each other, going, yep, we'll get the next one, or like awesome job. It was it was incredible to see.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot of freedom, um, which suits us. It's how we play, you know. People might call it flair, but I guess it's just when you've practiced something for so long and it's natural to you, why not? Mm
0: -hmm. No, I I think I heard that actually in, um, I think, uh, not Ruby Toohey, it was uh, one of the other... um, women's commentators they were they were coming in and, and I think one of the one of the other people commentating was like oh you've got to love the flair and and all and all that other stuff and they go nope that's just them being them like they're just yeah. they're just playing the game and just what they've done for years exactly what you just said it was it was awesome to see. Yeah, yeah great to be a part of I bet but <laughs> let's let's talk about that as well because I know that World Cup is obviously a big time of the year for any international side but playing on home soil and at, at probably fields that you know very, very well, um, like you've obviously got the, the ones in Waitakere and, and obviously you got to play in Eden Park and, and all those other ones. What was it like just playing in front of your crowd and, and seeing those massive crowds out and about?
1: That, that was quite indescribable, I think. I, I, I don't think we really understood the impact we were making uh, until we ran out at the opener in Eden Park, and we just saw the masses of people that had come to support us, um, and just to support women's rugby in general. I guess that that was a massive success for us, and just it was so loud you could barely hear yourself think it sometimes. At times, sorry, and um, you really had to listen and um, just just take in the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was very, it's, yeah, quite indescribable.
0: And I mean, like, I feel like some of that has been a domino effect because you start to see um, England, their game in Twickenham that's coming up, um, they've they've sold out there. Their, that's that's unheard of, getting getting like a sold-out crowd in, in Twickenham as well, one of the most famous um, rugby stadiums in the world. So I feel like that has a lot to do with the World Cup.
1: Congratulations to England and France on that. What an awesome achievement and, I guess, sets presidents for the next World Cup that will be happening there. So, yeah,
0: great time. People, people got to start showing up now and, and in the masses, just keep it going. But I do want to talk about that that English team because I, I think personally it was the most competitive game throughout the World Cup um, that you and your team had to face. What was the the team's feeling going through that training week um, prior to the final?
1: I guess it's like anything. Once you get to the business end of, of a tournament – You really understand and you know that what you've done um, has put you in the best position to play your best rugby uh, and to do your best. So that week prior to the final was actually quite relaxed and we understood that we had a job to do and um, that the weight of the nation was on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as much as we could, we just tried to relax and enjoy the moment and understand that all the weeks and all the hours and all the minutes and all the seconds um, that we had sat and being a part of rugby and being a part of the World Cup, that that was not enough, but we had done all we could do to prepare uh, for the game that was about to happen on Saturday. And I think with Smithy and Ruahe and Kennedy, they just really drove that, you know, that, you're good enough. Mm-hmm. That you're exactly where you're meant to be. Um, that believe in yourself, uh, and that's all you can do. Back up each other one hundred percent, and the rest is history. Yeah.
0: Man, that's some good good feelings come out of this because I feel like we're talking about breaking ground and obviously, um, I guess, changing changing the norm from from the narrative. But we spoke about the black ferns. Now I want to move on to a little bit of more kind of history and breaking ground in your rugby journey and that's talking about super rugby Opiki oh, because that's a whole brand new competition and I know how proud you are to be a, a Chiefs player at the moment and in May 2021 you were the first Chiefs halfback in, in the first ever women's super rugby match at Eden Park against the Blues so I know you've played at Eden Park before I know I know you were talking about the sold out World Cup but what was it like to run out first clash as a super rugby women's side?
1: Yeah, I guess the first thing you think about are all those that have gone before you, all the women, you know, that probably deserved to be there just as much as the ones that were or mm-hmm. that had the honour of playing in that game. So to all those trailblazers uh, that set the pathway for us, you know, it, it was a big thank you um, as we ran out. And as a chief, I think our biggest thing is, yeah, we, we just need a enjoy ourselves and um, showcase the talent and showcase the, the knowledge and all of the attributes that we have as uh, um, proud Waikato Tainui people. Mm. Um, and there was a massive guard of honour that went around the whole of the stadium before the um, kickoff happened mm-hmm. and all the young girls that were there, young girls and boys, mums, daughters, grandmothers, you know, so it was just a really, really proud moment and uh, all the girls just enjoyed being there um, and enjoyed that we were the beginning of what will be a uh, a milestone for women playing rugby in New Zealand.
0: Mm. And I like the way you, you spoke about that because you, you talk about it being a milestone and, and just the beginning because once that exhibition match happened, you've, you've now got uh, super rugby franchises uh, for – teams that have that have come from that competition starting and then you obviously um ended up winning a championship and in the first season which i was bloody stoked about me being a massive chiefs fan i was i was cheering going crazy but to play a full season with a team in in a contracted professional environment um and winning that championship the first first year round is um what was the the feeling from from the whole squad? Is like there was was it just a, a level up now that you've got contracted players and you've got that professional environment, or is it just um, only a handful of people that, that didn't really have a taste of that professionalism that you spoke about?
1: Yeah, I guess because there was all of all of a sudden there was a massive introduction of girls that probably hadn't been a part of the environment before, hmm. um, and because there were such different levels. Uh, it made things quite hard, um, but it really taught you that, you know, it's your duty to help others um, to be their best as well, because it's like anything, it's 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 a we before me kind of situation. Um, and as, as, as anything, you know, a few teething issues, and we'd hope uh, that by the next couple of seasons, it's fully professional and, you know, everyone doesn't have to work, uh, but for that first season, it was we were just really, really grateful. And that, that that would that's I guess the theme of women's rugby in New Zealand. And I'm glad it's taking that next step, where we don't just have to be grateful, but we um, know that it's deserved, or, or we deserve to be a part of that, um, or we deserve that to be fully professional and just have to. Focus on playing rugby um, and being in the best, you know, not just physical but um, mental shape that we can be to produce the best rugby because what we did at the last World Cup, going back to that, sorry, um, or what we did in the last season of Opiki won't be enough for the next right. season. So yep. we always have to look to progress and be better. And the only way we can do that is, you know, girls are contracted, you know, to that three to six months period fully in a super rugby franchise um where they can train and they don't have to think about anything else
0: no that's fair i think now with um obviously the silver lake deal happening and and that with the with the money that's that's now hopefully coming in from obviously the um investment properties that they're they're trying to with with the money to hopefully trickling back in i think that um a lot of people around the country I, I know um sir john Kerwin, jeff wilson like a couple of people always talking on the breakdown and a few other shows uh, and they're saying like it's it's about time that this has happened for women's rugby, and I, i'm i'm in the same boat as you it's been deserved for a long time and i'm glad to finally see that it's starting to get the wheels going but like you said there's there's more ground to be broken and i think it's just as long as the the players, the staff, and um, and the management teams come in with the same attitude every every year, and they go, "Let's just keep keep kind of improving, improving, improving." I feel like the country and, and the investors are going to follow follow suit as well, and I'm I'm hoping it keeps going. But speaking about that, because we've obviously got a similar competition across the ditch, the Super mm-hmm. W, and I know you guys got to play an exhibition match against uh, the Waratahs, I believe it was uh, during this season. What was it like to get that um, that different style of play and and like get to play those types of teams um, earlier on in your preseason for this season?
1: No, it was awesome. It was awesome to have the TARS over for um game of three halves. They were really really quick around the park and um, they defend a lot differently to how we do, uh, and they're probably a lot more structured. Uh, so it's really really good to um, be able to play against different opposition. Uh, and see how those different systems could or, you know, how we could, I guess, take some of that on board or or what we'd like to pick apart from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really, really good. Uh, yeah, they're really quick around the park. Um, they're really drilled, uh, which was really good. Um, and it's been awesome to watch them in the Super W competition. Obviously theirs is a lot longer than ours, and uh, it's awesome that it will take them right, through to uh, the international test matches that are coming up so hopefully that's something we can uh, do moving into the future but yeah big up to the task for coming over and um having a good go at it with us
0: Mm. so that was going to be my next question because obviously they're two separate competitions at the moment but has there been talk amongst the, the group, or like um like aspirations of saying, hey, maybe we can make this um a cro- like a crossover competition, or do like some more exhibition matches, or is that kind of something where you all are just focusing on Opicky, and then you just you're just focusing on the, on the goal at the moment, like not even worrying about Super W? I
1: think that we spoke about it straight after the game. When we were trying to tee up matches. <laughs> 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 I guess that's something that, as the unions, they'll need to sort out. But that that would only that could only be a good thing for mm-hmm. both compositions, um, being able to play high quality rugby um, over a longer amount of time and face different kinds of oppositions uh, can only add to to your toolbox as a player. So, uh, how could that not make us a, a better team moving forward or better players uh, in the future? So, hopefully. That gets off the ground. Um, that's mm-hmm. the hope. And Come on, unions,
0: get it together. Let's <laughs> <Yeah. go. laughs> it's always, always always, the paperwork and the politics that moves, moves the slowest. But, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that was the the one thing they spoke about in, in the men's competition. Like, obviously, COVID was the hindrance in regards to um, the Altero and the AU competitions being created. And, and they obviously got to play um, a bunch of local derbies during the competition. But you got to see that following season – Just the the styles being able to clash again. You you saw Mm. some amazing um, like matchups and competition. I I feel like I agree with you one hundred percent. It's like that's where a lot of people say South Africa leaving the Super Rugby men's competition has hurt us a little bit because we do have not similar styles, but we kind of get into our um, our flow and and we know exactly how certain teams play. I feel when you do play different oppositions, you do grow, you do uh, develop those other skills and um, you're able to get those work ones leading into those competitions.
1: Yeah, so true, so true. Hmm.
0: Okay. Well, I think the next thing I want to talk about is we've, we've had our first season of OP, you've obviously had our second season. What do you feel the biggest difference was between the first and the second season and, and what are you looking forward to in, in the third one?
1: Oh, yeah, I guess, well, with the first one, you know, there was COVID and there was no crowds or anything like that. So that was an awesome injection uh, of energy, having um, the home crowds back and uh, that there. And the quality of rugby, obviously, with the way that Wayne Smith and um, Ted and Chrono developed the game, I guess that's just naturally come about in the second season of um, Super Rugby Aupake. Uh and the attacking was awesome. You know, it was um, great, free-flowing rugby. Uh, but I guess hopefully with the next season that's coming about, uh, it being longer, the the defence might get better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did. I will say I used I used a couple of um, a couple of clips from um, the Chiefs and and a couple of clips from some defensive stuff. Um, that I use for like my film sessions but I will agree with you there was there was a lot of time where I'm having to spend analyzing film and going okay can't use this one can't use this one but oh yeah I can use this one as opposed to with the attack like you said the attack was on all day
1: yeah I guess because the season's so short or was so short as well I guess the time that we were actually assembled you kind of had to pick what was the most important thing Mm -hmm. and um yeah, so I guess um, defence will be at the top of the list, list I'm guessing next year <laughs> because, you yeah. know, all of the games are quite high scoring, so a lot of points are getting leaked here and there, but um, I'm glad that the attacking was
0: uh, good to watch. Yeah, if anything, all I can say is it was exciting. Yeah, that's, that's I can definitely agree with that one. yeah. Yeah, but um, I guess we'll we'll t- want to finish off because we spoke a lot about the women's eye and I want to get your insight into the men's super rugby competition because there's been a lot of great um, battles going on in this competition and obviously your male counterparts are currently undefeated and on top of the table. So I know that we're both stoked about that. But what have you thought about the super rugby comp so far?
1: Exhilarating. Exciting yeah. to watch. The rugby is so good. Um, and it's on both sides of the ball especially for the Chief men's They're doing really, really well. Um, big ups to Sean Stevenson's; He's having a boomer of the season. It's killing so, it. Um, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't get a look into the older All Blacks, but that's just maybe a bit biased. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I guess um, all the new halfbacks, like um, Ratima, he's having a great season uh, at the moment behind Brad Weber there. Um oh, Finlay Christie, is just, you know, a great, great number nine. Um, And then you've got, you know, Aaron Smith. Yeah, I, I guess it's hard to pick it apart, you know, when you think about it. Mm-hmm. um, The rugby's so good. Uh, and um, just hoping, you know, like our cases with the Australian counterparts get a little bit harder.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I agree. I agree. It's It's been tough on... I feel like the Brumbies have been really pushing a lot of the um, New Zealand teams. Like I think with um, their line-out mall drives when they just get a penalty, mm-hmm. punch it in the corner and then they're very hard to stop when they're in that situation and they start to get in their groove. But I feel like uh, other teams like the Waratahs and the Reds that were, were teed up to be pretty good um, competition have kind of fallen flat this season. But I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's just been... Um, a couple of different wrong combinations or just some just some miscues and not I agree. I, I hope that the Aussie competition starts to get a little bit more competitive, but yeah, it's it's definitely shown that New Zealand's alive and thriving.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like even the Crusaders, far up. they're playing some awesome rugby. But oh. you know, they always do. Um, but I think yeah I'm not sure I don't know how to pick a part what what the major <clears throat> sorry what the major um barriers there are I don't know because it maybe it's physicality, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. exactly what it is, but um I think New Zealand or well, what we are doing really really well is our variety and how we play with our kicking um and things like that but i I'm sure hey, next minute, don't want to speak too soon, Aussie make a final,
0: you know? Yeah. No, I think, I think you hit it on the head with um, a lot of the stuff you were talking about with, with the Tars and, and and how you've played the uh, the Wallaroos in the past. is like me, obviously, coming from living in both Australia and New Zealand, you can see that um, they are very structured with their attack. And and when it does come to those types of situations where your back's against the wall, I think that's where New Zealand thrives. It's like, oh, that's why I love watching... Um, different matches whether it's uh the crusaders or or the chiefs or or other players where they can look to their kicking game they can look to the um out the back with their pods and i I feel like the australian teams they really do stick with their structure and then when Mm -hmm. that goes to crap, where do they go from there so i think that's obviously once again i'm just an outsider looking in and just watching it on the telly and just just screaming in front of it but i do want to stick with one point that you made and talking about some of those halfbacks because obviously that's your expertise and we do have some staples in the men's comps, like you've got your Aaron Smiths, your Nuggies, you've got your Finlay Christies, you've got um, Brad Webbers, and you've also got your Ratimas, and, and you've obviously uh, a couple other uh, hot halfbacks coming out of the competition. If you had to pick one halfback that you think at the moment is just the best in the comp, who would you say it would? Oh,
1: gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's
0: yeah, a so hard one.
1: I guess it's a life. It's different coming off the bench and how you inject yourself there, and it's different when you start.
0: Mm. All right, let's let's say let's say starting halfback and then bench. Let's let's we'll, we'll give we'll give you two. If you could have a let's just say if you could have a starting halfback and then a bench bench player, who would you pick?
1: Probably, I'd go Finlay and um, Yeah. My...
0: <laughs> mm. Ratima's been he's like I, I've obviously watched him throughout the whole whole Waikato um, season in, in the Bunnings NPC and I, I knew he's gonna be a good player, but as soon as he mm-hmm. got into Super Rugby, he just continues to get better and better and better, and he's just been he's he's a quick one.
1: Yeah, he's really push, pushing Brad, which is good.
0: Mm, yeah, that's what that's what Webb was saying on, on a couple other um, podcast shows. He's like, man, I've gotta, gotta hold my form. Some of these young guys are gonna come take my job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question, and then I'll, I'll let you go because I know you're you're a busy one. You have got a lot of things to do, but I want to see who do you think you're going to be? The four teams they're going to make it in the quarterfinals. I know Chiefs is obviously going to be one, like that's that's a no brainer. Because and I think if you said anything else, some of the some of the Chiefs fans will probably come for you. Mm.
1: I think it'll be Chiefs, Hurricanes, Crusaders, and maybe the Brumbies.
0: Oh, okay, all right. Ooh. I'm liking I'm liking those picks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think the Brumbies have been on a roll. I think the the Blues are still trying to I think the Blues are probably going to be edging that fifth spot. I'd probably my four would probably be the same as you because I think the Blues have had some really good games. And they've been just 50-50 on some other ones, just trying to find those combinations.
1: Yeah, it just seems to be like around that 60, 70 minute mark when things get really hard. If they can break those barriers, you know, they'll be one of the best teams in the competition. It's mm. just that, 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 yeah,
0: at times. <laughs> All right. I don't well, you heard it.
1: not be happy about that. But,
0: um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think any, anybody would be happy when, when they say that about any of their teams. But, yeah, <laughs> we'll go from there. But you heard it here first. Plenty of good picks in that bunch. Um, thank you so much for joining us on, on the pod today. I, I can't speak for the whole world, but I know – everyone I've spoken to about the women's game, the black ferns, um, all the stuff you guys are doing in New Zealand over the past couple of years alone. Like I know COVID has hit us really hard across the world, but I feel like New Zealand's just come out and they're, they're flourishing in in a rugby sense and also a community sense. So I just want to say congratulations on, on everything, world cup, Opiki, and just everything you're doing. Um, as a women's rugby player representing New Zealand in the world. Um, I wish you nothing but success for the 2023 season. But is, is there any anyone you'd like to give a shout out, anyone you want to chat about before we go?
1: No, just I guess thank you for having me on. And I guess I'll have to come and visit sometime and come and watch some women's rugby and um, enjoy myself over there in the States. But uh, like anything, um, work hard, do well and um, be well.
0: Love it. Love it. That's a great way to end. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone, and tuning into the Bonus Point Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you regularly grab your podcasts, and we will see you next time.